Hey everybody, it's Monday and when you see the black background, you know what time it is, whether you're in V2 or on the Remar Nurse channel. We are starting our week off great talking about Tetralogy of Fallot, which is a congenital heart defect. This is a topic, hi there, hi everybody, come on in. This is a topic that I do lecture on as a part of congenital heart defects in your V2 NCLEX review, but I wanted to present it to the social media audience on today. So you can add stuff to your notes if you already have studied this with me. But for those of you who are just joining, my name is Professor Regina Kalyan, and I am the number one NCLEX instructor on the planet. I say that without any shame. Um, also, I wanted to tell you that it's Monday and my faith is greater than my fear today. All right. We are going to study and move forward with competency and content on today. So Tetralogy of Fallot will be our discussion topic on today. If you have not studied it, get out a notebook and prepare to study this material. Um, this lecture can be used in combination with the book that every nurse needs, which is Quick Facts for NCLEX, the next generation study guide yes 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 oh if you love this shirt you guys know you can go to the website remarnurse.com and get all of the shirts that i wear on here so this is one that we um that we just added to the listing all right shipping this book right here do you have it this is the quick facts for next gen the study guide this is my question and answer book and it's new and it's being shipped out, you guys. So still the $25 price. And I was so excited when I saw you guys say, I got mine yesterday or I got mine. Um, that just made me feel so good because we have been waiting for this, okay? So you will get a tracking number when uh, your book is being shipped to you, but we have them in stock now. So he says, yay, I have it. I got my coffee. Tell me, Tracy, tell me. Um, are you studying it? Is it okay? Let me know. Okay. All right. But on again, our topic for today is the Tetralogy of Fallot. Uh, and yay, you guys got it. All right. So we also will do our bonus question, question number five. And I will tell you guys that the bonus question for today is tough. It is challenging. It is challenging. So let's try to get, get our light goals in so that we can um so that we can uh continue forward okay tracy says i love it seriously that just made my day my monday motivation thank you so much thank you all right let's talk about this congenital heart defect of tetralogy of fallot if you don't have the quick facts we'll put the link in the youtube channel right now the video so Tetralogy of Fallot is very important for NCLEX because when your patient is born, when your baby uh, patient that you're taking care of is born with this condition, they will have very, 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 very consistent clinical symptoms that you as the nurse need to be able to identify. Also, because this is a congenital heart defect, you know your baby is going to have issues with oxygenation, which is paramount. You got to know about oxygenation issues and what you need to do about them. So Tetralogy of Fallot 
it is called tetralogy because there are four there are four structural defects that you need to know about okay so the four findings and these have to be memorized you need to be able to pick them out of a select all that apply right you need to be able to list them you have to know about them so the first one is pulmonary stenosis the second one is right ventricular hypertrophy. The third is an overriding aorta. Make this back. And then the fourth is a ventricular septal defect. So if we are, um, you know, if we are thinking about these terms clinically, you guys are nurses. So stenosis, hypertrophy, overriding aorta. These are all anatomy terms. And so you should be very familiar with these words. The stenosis, the stenosis in our baby is what is going to be that, that constriction, right? That narrowing. And so because the baby has a narrowing, um, what is going to happen is there's gonna be less oxygenation. Like we don't have to make it, we do not have to make this uh, overcomplicated when we talk about Tetralogy of Fallot. You're having a baby who has narrowing in their heart. So that means that the deoxygenated blood that they have is going to have some trouble getting oxygen, right? Um, and, and so because of the stenosis, kind of the, the disease is built on each other, because you have stenosis and you have a, a constriction, right? Pulmonary stenosis, then that is going to mean that you're going to have hypertrophy in another area. Because if you have constriction here, really small constriction, then the circulation is going to have to work harder to get that blood to flow through the narrowing arteries. So that is why you're going to have the right ventricular hypertrophy, okay? Then we have the overriding aorta, and then we have a ventricular septal defect. And so all of these things together is going to create a poor prognosis in your baby's ability to be able to stay increasingly and appropriately oxygenated. And so here you can see for my visual learners, you can see some of the structural defects particularly where you have pulmonary stenosis on the chart, and then you have this large ventricular septal defect. And so you have chambers of the heart um, mixing in, and there's not a clear separation. So initially you have deoxygenated blood and oxygenated blood shunting, mixing inappropriately. And at the end of the day, we are going to have a blue, blue, baby. Okay. Blue baby. So how, how frequent is this? Is this something that only happens rarely? Is this something that we need to worry about? Yes. For NCLEX, this will definitely be considered a major topic in terms of newborn care. So it, it occurs when the baby is developing in the womb, common types of uh, birth defects. So this is, this is one of them. The CDC says that 
in in one percent of about forty thousand births per year will have this congenital heart defect. All right, and then this is a cyanotic heart defect, meaning that meaning meaning that the baby will have a clinical presentation of being blue. So this this topic is a perfect example of why you need both the V2 lecture system and quick facts because because I lecture on this with the V2 system, I don't put this in quick facts, okay? So share this video if you know somebody needs to study Tetralogy of Fallot today, okay? All right, so going back to it, this is something that will be clinically addressed. And so in Tetralogy of Flow, what we're going to see, this is Tetralogy of Fallot, that's the topic. Tetralogy of Fallot in infants, how will infants present? So you're going to hear a murmur. You're going to hear a murmur. It's going to be a systolic murmur. Now, the baby will also be cyanotic, which we talked about, and have blue spells, or sometimes what will they call uh, the, the medical emergency that happens instead of blue spells? What will they call them? Put it up on the screen. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. So in infants, because this is a pretty acute condition and the baby has not had a lot of time to structurally change on the outside, you're going to have the murmur and you're going to have tet spells. Yes, good job, Kendra, tet scales. All right, children are going to increasingly, as they develop, they will have increasing issues with cyanosis, they will also have clubbing of the fingers. Now, clubbing of the fingers is something that we're not really introduced to in nursing school until we start talking about um, emphysema, until we start talking about uh, congestive heart failure, or we could be talking about COPD. And this is where we learn about clubbing because our patient is having less oxygenation throughout their body. So the body will start to deform itself. When, when the body doesn't have oxygen, then you start to have physical deformities take place. And so clubbing of the fingers, clubbing of the fingers does that. But here, because the oxygenation is severely stunted in Tetralogy of Fallot, you can have little children, you can have uh, little children for clubbing of the fingers, all right, which is kind of interesting. And then because there's not enough oxygen, there's not enough oxygen, poor growth may occur. So come on in. We do this every Monday. We just sit down and we talk about NCLEX topics. So signs and symptoms here, um, activity. So cyanosis, shortness of breath. You're going to have an increased respiratory rate and tet spells or blue spells. Fingernails, if we're looking at fingernail changes, we would expect clubbing. And remember, next-gen NCLEX is heavy on the clinical presentation and being able to pick up signs and symptoms from a report or a doctor's note or an ER note. So it's very important for us to be able to make the connections to the clinical symptoms of our patient to what's happening on the inside. I saw somebody put this uh, down when a baby is having a tet spell, you want to put them in the knee 
to chest position. Now, can anybody tell me why the knee to chest position is, is important? Can anybody tell me why that is? So, uh, Divi, no, this topic is not in this topic is not in the next gen quick facts. This topic is in the actual V2 lectures. So right now I'm looking for why do we put the baby into the knee to chest or what babies actually will do for themselves is they'll be playing because tet spells happen when there is an increased need of oxygenation. So the baby will be running and then all of a sudden they will do what? They'll stop and they'll squat down and they'll just sit there. And it's so amazing how babies who have no medical degrees or no medical training, they know to naturally squat down. And why is that? Good job, guys. Um, to increase venous return, to increase oxygen. Yeah, that's kind of the idea. So oxygen goes to the rest of the body. But what they're doing is, think about this, when you squat down, you kink up the arteries in your legs, right? So the large femoral artery that is there, if you squat down, you put a kink in that. And so that allows for the pulmonary circulation, right? That, that works on the lungs and the heart and the brain to increase, all right? And that's gonna help the baby. So great job, you guys. I saw a, um, I saw a couple of testimonials. I don't know if I missed them. So many comments coming in. But put your testimonial back up if you passed NCLEX recently. I do want to shout you out for Monday Motivation. But yes, so that is why, that is why you have that squatting or putting the baby in the knee to chest position because you are going to increase the circulation, but also you'll kink up that femoral artery. Uh, and so that is going to allow for, for a more improved oxygenation to your heart and to your lungs. Good job. You have an inability to grow, okay? When you are dealing with tetralogy of flow, the cardiac signs are going to change. I talked about what you can expect to see. I'm not gonna say it again because that is definitely going to be a question at the back part of our review. And then trouble feeding. What is that about? Why would a child with tetralogy of flow have difficulty feeding? What, what? What, what what is the you know what is the rationale behind that i want somebody to tell me it's almost the same no it's not the same i was going to say it's almost the same as when we deal or talk about no it's not the same it's just not the same <laughs> it's the same when we talk about it for congestive heart failure i don't know why i was going to say cleft lip and palate but it's not the same for cleft lip and palate um but it would be the same for congestive heart failure. Why is that? So it says lack of oxygenation when, when sucking, tiredness when feeding, they have difficulty breathing, feeding require a lot of oxygen. You guys are doing great notes today. Shout out um, for Nurse Martinez. As of last Thursday, I'm officially a Remar nurse. Thank you so much, Regina. Please, you need to, please go to remarnurse.com forward slash party so I can send you your free gift. You guys know, you guys know, what did I say I was doing for everybody that passed with V2 in the month of April? Come on, what did I say I was doing for y'all? 
Hey, Regina, I just passed NCLEX with Remar. I did 85 questions. I'm officially a Remar nurse. You guys can, you will, and you must pass NCLEX. Amazing. Amazing. Yes, please. I want to send you your free gift. Visit remarnurse.com forward slash party. Again, guys, remember I said if you have V2 and you pass NCLEX, um, then that money, that initial investment that you made into V2, I'm giving it back to you. I'm giving you that money back so that you are able to just, what? I, I don't know, like go out and do something. You got a new life. Buy your scrubs, buy your work shoes. Amazing. I'm so proud of you guys passing next gen NCLEX. Woo! You better go do get you better go get that V2 money back. You gotta do it. Uh, but no, we just really want to be a blessing to you guys and just encourage people to just invest in yourself. Just in, take the leap, invest in yourself. Okay. So, um, and absolutely, I love the positive energy that our community has. Almost 500 nurses right now saying congratulations to you who just passed. And they're saying that because they are next. They are next. All right. Oh, man. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So proud of everybody. Okay. Um, and now, and so more and more testimonials are coming in. So this is what y'all need to do. Everybody that passed, please go to remarnurse.com forward slash party so that I am able to give you guys your free gift. Okay. Interlude. Now we're going back to our original question, but here come the congratulations. And I love it because the people who congratulate you are actually people who are, um, they understand that their time is coming. And so there is no, like, you know, nobody, we don't have that type of energy around here. We are truly, truly, truly happy and excited because we know our time is next. Our time is next. And we want people to have that same kind of happiness for us. So thank you guys so much for congratulating um, our Remar nurses that come back. All right. We too will be congratulating you. <laughs> I said, I'm next. I'm next. God willing. Amen. Okay. So I had said this. I said, why, why would a baby with, why would a baby with tetralogy of flow have difficulty feeding? And I think you guys put it, um, put a nail in the head when you said, well, because they're going to be fatigued. It does take a lot of energy to eat and babies typically have to eat pretty frequently. That's part of them growing. So just like our patients with congestive heart failure who, who are adults, we tell them don't sit down and eat a heavy meal because eating as much as we do it, you know, healthy adults, we do it and it's nothing to us. We slam down that burger and fries. But if you have trouble breathing or if you have a lot, lack of oxygenation, it's a lot to eat a heavy meal. We don't really feel the weight of eating heavy meals until it's a time like Thanksgiving where we just gorge ourselves and then we're like, oh, I'm so tired after I ate 20 different, different things. Yeah, COPD too as well. But for a person who has trouble breathing, emphysema, COPD, congestive heart failure, heavy meals can take a real toll on them. All right, so... That is why these babies may have trouble growing. They may have trouble growing and they may have trouble feeding, feeding. Good job, everybody. All right. 
So what are what are the treatment options that we have? The treatment options are going to be a shunt operation. Now remember, with congestive heart failure, we have a reverse of the normal shunting of blood. So normally, blood is shunted from the left to the right, right? Because the pressure in the the left ventricle is greater in the normal heart, right? And so it's a left to right shunting. However, because of hypertrophy, because of right ventricular hypertrophy, because of the pulmonary stenosis in Tetralogy of Fallot, NCLEX may ask you this, the shunting goes from right to left. The shunting goes from right to left. So this is why you need to reestablish um, an appropriate shunting direction for this baby. Also, you can do, um, you can repair the two most important ab abnormalities that make up Tetralogy of Fallot. You can repair the pulmonary stenosis and you can repair that overriding aorta. All right. And that's surgically. Let me just do a check-in of, I'm on Facebook, um, I'm on YouTube. Actually, we have 68 likes we have 300 people, we have 369 people watching. So if we could get to 250, if we could get to 250, we'll do our bonus questions. So right now, YouTube is on you. We had some early people encouraging. We got 68 likes. We got to get to 250. All right. So everybody right now, stop and smash that like button as we continue to talk about Tetralogy of Fallot today. I like this topic a lot, actually. So that is the treatment for this condition. So we understand the four findings. We know the symptoms. We know how we're going to treat it. Now, what else? Are we ready? Uh, our nursing interventions. Let's go over them. Absolutely, we will be monitoring the vital signs we will be looking for signs of respiratory distress, particularly in newborns. We're gonna see nasal flaring and use of the accessory muscles. This is gonna indicate that our baby is not doing well. And then we are going to be osculotating for breath sounds. We would particularly, we would particularly look to have a blue murmur uh, no, I'm sorry, not a blue murmur. We would particularly look to have a blue baby with a murmur, but if we heard crackles, ronchi, or wheezing, then we know that the baby um, is progressively getting worse. If the baby is having an increased respiratory effort, we could put them in Trendelenburg's position to kind of shunt the circulation to the brain and the lungs and the heart. And then we will be monitoring for hypercyanotic spells, tet spells, blue spells for this baby. Okay. Primary nursing actions during a tet spell, or it may be called a hypercyanotic spell, is the knee to chest position. We are going to do 100% oxygen for that baby. If indicated and the doctor writes it, morphine um, will help the baby to relax. It will also reduce respiratory rate um, as well. Administer fluids intravenously as ordered. Document occurrence of actions and the infant response. Infant response. 
Good job, guys. Do we want to talk about why morphine is given to an infant who may have issues with breathing? And I just want to say this, we got 161. So we're, we're really close. What was the number I said again? Was it, was it 250? Right? Um, you guys are at 161 already. So that's amazing. I want you guys to think of morphine um, not only as pain medication, because morphine is absolutely a pain medication. And you know that when we talk about morphine, typically we're talking about it from a pain perspective. When we say, okay, monitor for constipation, we know morphine can be addictive. We know morphine reduces the respiratory rate. <laughs> Somebody's like, I was going to ask that. But we are using morphine here for a cardiac condition. Mm, we're using morphine for a cardiac condition. So why are we giving morphine? It relieves the preload and afterload to reduce, relax and reduce the respiration rate, to calm the baby, to calm the baby. Great job. I love these comments. I think one of the one of the best things about coming and showing up to Monday Motivations is, is how much we learn, yes, to decrease O2 needs. Um, what else? Increase the contractility of the heart. Not so much increasing the contractility of the heart here. We could give a beta blocker or digoxin. Digoxin, when we talk about increasing the contractility or the force of the heart, digoxin will absolutely do this. But it's kind of like in hospice situations, what medication do we give patients who are in hospice care when they start to have the increased oxygen demands? When you're transitioning, one of the things that, that happens is you begin to breathe faster. You may have difficulty breathing, right? And so morphine is that drug of choice, not so much for pain, but yes, it's used to treat, it is used to treat, you know, anxiety in a way, but not em emotional anxiety, but more physical anxiety. Because you guys know, you guys know when I do my test anxiety workshop, some people manifest anxiety with emotional conditions. So they're, you know, they have feelings of impending doom, right? They are nervous, they're jittery, they draw blanks. And then some people have anxiety that is physical where they have increased respiratory rates, um, they shake, they, they have nausea and vomiting, diarrhea, right? So when we're giving the morphine for this child, we are trying to address the physical manifestations of not being able to breathe. So of course, it's going to decrease the respiratory rate, which is going to help. It's going to help the baby to be able to perfuse better, right? It's going to relax the cardiac muscles, right? Because the heart is pumping so forcefully. Yeah, it's going to decrease O2 demands. So look at how morphine is used and understand for next-gen NCLEX, you're going to have to be a little bit more familiar with pharmacology. You're going to have to have a more uh, realistic understanding of how it's used in a hospital. We are no longer just saying morphine for pain, right? That, that type of understanding is not going to get you very far in the real world. So I love that you guys are able to 
you know, answer that question of why we're using morphine for this cardiac situation here. Great job. Okay, so we have our questions coming up. You guys are ready for the questions. And we're going to try to get to our share goal right now. Here's our first question coming at you. What is the most common symptom of Tetralogy of Fallot? All of these are going to be right, but the most common symptom, is it going to be one, hypothermia, two, difficulty in breathing, three, cyanosis, four, loss of consciousness? Mm -hmm. What say if you guys, we are talking about the most common symptom in Tetralogy of Fallot. The most common symptom. And we are so close. We got 175 likes on the video. Come on, YouTube, let's do it. Facebook, get off of Facebook and go to YouTube and like the video. Monday Motivation, Tetralogy of Fallot. We're trying to get to 250. Trying to get to 250. We got 175. Okay, a lot of threes coming our way. I think that might be our community answer. Three. So cyanosis is correct. This is the most common cause of tetralogy of Fallot, common symptom of tetralogy of Fallot. When the skin, lips, and nail beds are bluish in color, cyanosis is the result of too much oxygen-poor blood being pumped into the body. So cyanosis may come in sudden spells called tet spells when the baby is crying or feeding, feeding. Two is this, in clients diagnosed with Tetralogy of Fallot, what gives the heart a boot-shaped appearance? Oh yes, on chest x-ray. I purposely did not tell you guys this. I want you to critically think, okay? This is critical thinking, guys. You may not know exactly, but look at the choices that are in front of you and pick the one that is going to make the most sense for what you're being asked. So what are we being asked? About a boot-shaped appearance on a chest x-ray. So is it number one, right ventricular hypertrophy? Two, ventricular septal defect. Three, pulmonary infundibular stenosis. Four, overriding aorta. Here we go. Here we go. I love when we do these questions because this is challenging you to critically think. This is challenging you to critically think. I'm asking you specifically what is going to give a boot-shaped appearance on the chest x-ray. See some twos coming in. Fours, ones, threes. Come on, guys. Come through. <laughs> There's going to be four questions for sure. And again, a lot of you, the people who get this wrong, I don't even, I just am happy that you're here. I'm happy that you're here. And you should be happy that you're here too, because you're learning new things, right? The correct answer, guys, is number one. Yes, it's number one. Think about it. All right. The right ventricle is enlarged, remember? hypertrophy is going to be big. It's going to be bigger than what it is supposed to be. All right. It's going to be bigger than what it's supposed to be. 
All right. The ventricular septal defect, that's a hole. That's all it is. It's a hole. Um, the stenosis, you know, it's narrowing, overriding aorta. It's there, but it's not going to give a boot-shaped appearance. Okay, so you guys won't you guys won't forget that one. The common sign of tetralogy of Fallot on an X-ray is a boot-shaped heart because the right ventricle is enlarged. The absence of the main pulmonary artery segment gives the cardiac shadow a characteristic appearance, often called often termed a Corin Sabbat or a boot-shaped heart. Okay. All right. We are moving on to question number three. Here we go. This is another critical thinking one. Which of the following features of Tetralogy of Fallot primarily determines the severity of the disease? Okay. Number one, size of the ventricular septal defect. Two, decrease, um, sorry, two, the degree of pulmonary and fundibular stenosis. Three, overriding aorta. Four, thickness of the right ventricular wall. Okay, so <laughs> this again, what I'm asking you is to look at these conditions that you guys know are part of, they're all part of Tetralogy of Fallot. So what I'm asking you is which one is going to be the most important in determining how bad the disease is? Okay. Which one, in other words, is going to cause the biggest issues. Yeah, that's what I want to say. Hmm. Okay. All right, I'm going to show the answer. And just let me know if you got it or not. Correct answer is going to be number two. The degree of the pulmonary stenosis, because remember, the stenosis is the what? The stenosis is that closure, it's that narrowing. And so we're talking about the deoxygenated blood being unable to get oxygen because it's in the pulmonary system. So the deoxygenated blood goes there to get the oxygen. But if that stenosis is so severe, then that deoxygenated blood is just going to have to back up on out of there and go back into the body because it's not going to the lungs. It's just not. So that is the degree to which our baby will be sick. Okay. So the degree of stenosis, the greater, the greater the stenosis, the greater the cyanosis. Got it. I like that. Pulmonary stenosis um, mildly is when the pressure difference is less than 30 to 40. You guys don't have to have this memorized. Some people like to um, go a little bit deeper. Moderate pulmonary stenosis is when the pressure is 40 to 60. And then severe pulmonary stenosis is when the pressure is greater than 60 or 70. Okay. So 
but it is the pulmonary stenosis that was the right answer. Oh, I could check. I need to check to see where we were, where we are for our lot goals. This will be the last question if we didn't make our lot goals here, our share goals, our light goals. Let's see what we got. 215, 215. I said 250. We're so close, guys. We moved from 68 to 215. Come on, let's get to 250. If you have not liked this video, we need you. We need you right now. All right, next question. Here it is, question number four. These are really good, okay? Ooh, look at this one. When developing a plan of care for a client with Tetralogy of Fallot, which of the following nursing diagnosis is appropriate and would be specific to this client? Number one, decreased cardiac output. Two, fluid volume deficit. Three, ineffective airway clearance. Four, risk for impaired liver function. Hmm. Okay. Now, I don't know. Maybe I need to explain this one. I don't know if you guys are catching it. I'm talking about the nurse developing a plan of care, okay? So don't, yeah, don't read, don't, don't overthink this one. Some of you are overthinking this one. I'm literally saying if you were a nurse and you were developing a plan of care for your patient, which nursing diagnosis would be appropriate for this client specifically? This is how this is how you could fail NCLEX and know the information. It's because of how the wording is presented to you. And so if you're not reading this carefully, you can absolutely pick the wrong answer. Absolutely. Because it seems like it's the right answer. It sounds right, but it don't have nothing to do with what you're being asked. Okay, let me show the answer and then we can discuss it. I, I thought this one was pretty simple. Correct answer is one, decreased cardiac output. This is the only one, this is the only one that makes sense. I'm asking you guys, when developing a plan of care for a client with Tetralogy of Fallot, which of the following nursing diagnosis is appropriate for Tetralogy of Fallot and would be specific to the client? So we know Tetralogy of Fallot is a car cardiac condition. It's a heart condition. Um, so decreased cardiac output is the only one that is appropriate. There is no fluid volume deficit. There is no ineffective airway clearance. There is no risk for impaired liver function. So literally, you just had to read it. So, um, or what I see people are saying is they second guess themselves. But this is how you could fail NCLEX and know the information by not reading, okay? Or making it more difficult than what it is, okay? And so what I like about NextGen NCLEX is that the questions are going to be pretty straightforward or the 
questions are going to be able for you to use your content to apply it to critically think. But you got to have the content. So at the end of the day, if you don't know what Tetralogy of Flow is, then you're not going to be able to get this. Okay. Um, yeah. So if you don't know it, you're never going to be able to figure it out. And that's why I, I'm not a big fan of de decision trees. I'm not a big fan of like hacks or gimmicks or like, I don't, I don't think you should waste your time doing things like that. I think you should just study the information like how we did earlier and then try to answer questions. But this is why it's so important to read, read carefully. All right. Um, yeah, that's, that's just what I want to say on my hobby horse. So everybody that didn't get this one right, now you will, now you will moving forward. Okay. Now you will moving forward. Okay, guys, we literally have 246. We literally have 246 likes. We only need four more so I can do this last question. So I'm going to give you like 15 seconds to hit the like button. You, 15 seconds, hit the like button so I can do this last question. And while I do this, I want to just shout out Impactful Life Transformation, who says, I want to thank you again from the bottom of my heart. I saw all the disease processes on the NCLEX from Quick Facts. May the Lord, uh, I mean, I'm sure you're saying, may the Lord bless you and your family. Quick Facts for NCLEX, the disease processes. The correct answer for number four was number, um, was number one. These disease processes, you gotta know. You have to know. And that's why I love this book because it goes over all of these. All right. Adam Stokes syndrome, Addison's disease. Oh, yeah, Addison's disease. I added Addison's disease to the next gen study guide. It's normally in a lecture that I do for V2, but I thought maybe some people wouldn't have V2. I don't know why not, but they wouldn't. And so you definitely need to know about Addison's disease. Okay. So it's not, it's not long, literally, it's not long. Addison's disease in here. All right. Should you get V2 if you have the five-star version? Um, people, I'll say this. You definitely need to have one or the other. What I like about five-star is the clinical prioritization um, in it. All right. I think that that's so important. Um, I also was able to clear up some questions that people had about the five star versions, because literally because it's question and answer, some people was, were like, OK, well, what did you mean when you said this or what did you mean when you said that? And so I would get those emails about five stars. So like I tried to write in full sentences in the next gen guide so that like you guys didn't have to ask me what I, what I meant with stuff. So you'll notice that the sections like here are so much more developed than the five star. Cause I tried to just explain a little bit more. I thought that might be helpful. So people that have both of them, I mean, I'm saying get it right now. It's just $25. So if you can get it, get it. But I like, I try to really develop the answer section a little bit more but still keep it um still keep it kind of let me see if i can grab excuse me let me see if i can grab the other version okay so this is five star quick facts okay so so this is the this is the old one this is this one 
Yeah. So like plasmapheresis is one of the things that you definitely have to know. A student told me to, to write about plasmapheresis like three years ago. And so I had updated it for plasmapheresis. So plasmapheresis is in both of them. Okay. So I'm trying to do a side-by-side -side comparison. So this is the, this is the five-star plasmapheresis page right here. So you see that, you know, it's pretty straightforward and then it goes right into pleural effusion. And then it goes right into polycythemia vera, which are all topics that you should know, okay? The, the next gen guy talks about plasmapheresis in the same way, okay? But then it goes over the clinical priorities of plasmapheresis to explain a little bit here. And then it goes into pleural effusion with the clinical priorities. And then it goes into polycythemia vera and PTSD. 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 I'm trying to see if PTSD was in the five-star. Yep, it was. So you're going to see the same topics, okay? You're going to see the same topics, but it's a little bit more developed than the five-star version. Right. So yes, this is PN and this is RN. They both get the same. Quick facts. Okay. So if you don't have it, and I think they're shipping out, they're shipping out now within what, two, two to three days. How many days will it take to deliver? Give me five days. Give me five days. Just depend on where you're going. Okay. So same content, but a little bit more developed, but all of those topics you need to know about, you absolutely need to know about for NCLEX. And it, it helps so much when you have quick facts to study it from. Okay, let me go back into it. Do we get it? Do we get it? Yay, we got it, we got it, we got it, we got it. Okay, question number five, here it is guys. Congratulations, you did it, you made it. All right, you made it. Here's question number five. Let me remove this comment, okay. All right. The nurse is assessing the heart sounds of a client with a severe case of tetralogy of Fallot. The nurse would expect to hear a blank murmur at the blank of the sternal border. Okay, I told you it was tough, but... <laughs> it makes sense. Is it number one, diastolic, right? Two, systolic, right. Three, diastolic, left. Four, systolic, left. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely. This is why I say don't do question. Don't just do question banks. You need to study that content. All right, now this would be an example of an XY question on next-gen NCLEX. So I did tell you guys the answer to this. Now we're talking about, well, we're talking about Tetralogy of Fallot. So I did tell you that you were gonna hear a murmur I did say what type of murmur it was, 
So if you just did the content review, you got that right. Now, all you have to do is figure out would you hear it on the left or would you hear it on the right? And that's on you. That's anatomy. <laughs> that's anatomy. Okay. So come on. Is it the diastolic murmur or a systolic murmur? Number one. And then would you expect to be hearing it on the left or on the right? Okay. Thank you so much. The clinical priorities are my favorite. They're my favorite. All right. Coming. I'm so glad we got this question. I'm so glad we did our light goals. <laughs> Correct answer, guys, is number. It's number four. It's number four because I told y'all. Okay. The client will have a harsh systolic murmur. I said systolic, I never said diastolic, due to pulmonary stenosis, which would lead you to find a murmur at the left of the sternal border, the sound location of the pulmonary valve. All right. So the left sternal, sternal border. Y'all could have figured this out with critical thinking, literally, because I told y'all it was, this, I told y'all that it was a stolic murmur. And then you think about the left side of the heart, you, you think about the heart being on the left side, you think about where, oh no, okay. All right, how do y'all feel? I was hoping that we could get three out of five. Did we do three out of five? Did you guys get at least three out of five? Cause there were some tricky ones and I know that they were tricky, but I wanted you guys to, I wanted to challenge you. Okay. I wanted to challenge you and I wanted you to see the topic and not just say, oh, I know this. I always want to make sure that you learn a thing or two when you come here for Mondays, start our week off. Right. So if you attended this entire study session, give yourself a pat on the back because this was intensive. We've almost been studying for an hour, right? And we just covered one topic. But I guarantee you, you're ready for NCLEX for that one topic. Tetralogy of Fallot, you guys will be experts in that now because we did the lecture, all right? And so I don't want you to feel bad. I don't want you to feel bad. I don't want you to feel bad. I don't even want you to feel bad because you showed up, okay? Imagine the many people who needed to be here Okay, that we're not here. So you know now, right? You know now a whole bunch you didn't know before. That's the beauty of it, right? If you knew everything, you wouldn't be a student. Okay. You'd be the master. All right. So you came here and you learned, and now you are way more prepared for next gen. Okay. You got some good stuff out of today. Amazing. You know now about the boot shaped heart. Who knew? All right. So this is great. I'm glad you guys are here. And that just brings me to say that how to pass in Clex Tetralogy of Fallot has been served to you. All right. And so I'm, I'm I am I am looking forward to you getting that topic on NCLEX because you're going to know about it. Now, let's go back and let's talk about this. Uh-uh. This is Monday motivation now coming for you. I'm coming for somebody about breaking bad habits. How many of us have bad habits that they are just trying to let go of, let go of? How many of you have habits that you just want to let go of? For me, for me right now, 
it's these gummy bears. It's these doggone gummy bears. I cannot stop eating them. And I don't know why, but it's just a bad habit that I'm just, I'm a little tad bit embarrassed about. I have others, but I'm just relating to you on this. There's somebody here this Monday motivation is for. We're going to talk about bad habits. All right. So when you wake up in the morning, I'm coming for somebody right now. <laughs> in the morning, when you wake up, what is your routine? Are you A, B, or C? Is it A, B, or C? Are you A, you wake up, you go to the bathroom, you eat breakfast, and then you check your phone? That's like a healthy one, right? Are you B, you wake up, the first thing you grab is your phone, and then you're on the phone, okay? And then you're on the phone, and your alarm is going off, but you're still on the phone, you're on, you're on, you got to check your rounds. You got to check your Facebook. You got to check your Instagram. You got to check your TikTok. Okay. You got to check your emails. You're on the phone. Are you C? Are you wake up, make your bed, go to the bathroom, do your AM care, your mouth care, your shower, eat a healthy breakfast, check your calendar, and then do your important tasks? Where are you? Oh, we do have some C's. We have some C's. You're kind of C, kind of. <laughs> Man, I want to say you go back to bed. Okay. Um, I want to say this is why we come here on Monday because we're we're. This is all about keeping it real, keeping it real. You're not trying to impress nobody here. We are. This is a non-judgmental zone. What we are trying to do. What we are trying to do is we are trying to just evaluate ourselves, take an honest look at ourselves every Monday to see where we are in life. That's it. So your B wanting to be C, a mixture of A and B. No, no, I'm, I'm asking you guys this seriously because everything matters. When you are on your journey, everything that you do matters. And some things make us closer to our journey and some things take us away from our journey. And in the moment when we're doing it, we are not counting what the daily cost is for us. We're not counting that. So are you A, B, or C? Okay. And did you know that your success is found in your daily routine? Things that you do daily. Things that you do daily. Okay. And so, hey, that's great news for us today because if you got up or you made a list of the things that you do every day, or if you just look at what I posted, you will see that some of the things that you're doing are not helpful to you, okay? Some of the things that you're doing are not helpful to you. Waking up late, checking your phone, eating breakfast. Hey, sometimes for some of us, eating breakfast is not helpful to us. Eating breakfast is costing us a lot of time because your breakfast has to be Starbucks. And you have to sit in line every morning to get Starbucks before you could do anything, before you go to work, after you drop your kids off. You know, some of us eating breakfast is like two slices of pizza or something not even healthy. Some of us need to fast in the morning so we could just go ahead and go about our day. Checking our phones getting up in the morning and reaching for our phones and being, and the phone is like a time vampire where it literally turns from two minutes into 20 
minutes into an hour. And we're just like paralyzed by social media on our phone. Sometimes staying up all night is not good for us. We watch TV all night. I would just say, honestly, if you're studying, if you're trying to pass NCLEX, you don't have time for TV. You don't have time to watch TV if you haven't passed your NCLEX. I'm serious. You don't have time. TV is for people that have the luxury of not having anything to do. A lot of people that watch a lot of TV really don't accomplish all that much because they're constantly being what? They're constantly being entertained. It's like a person that goes to the circus and sits there all day long, constantly being entertained. Yeah, you're going to have a great time. But at the end, when it's time for you to get up, you have not accomplished anything. You have not. You have not done anything but give that circus your money all day long. And that's what TV is. You're giving all of those people their show, all those actors and all those TV stations, you're giving them all the money that they need to do everything in their life. Like, so yeah, while we're sitting there watching them, um, they're taking their family on trips and they're buying cars that they want to drive and living in houses that they want to live in. And you're paying for all of that because you were watching those shows. Now I'm not trying to say all TV is bad. But what I'm trying to say is that you probably don't have time to watch TV. Somebody said, I passed NCLEX and I still don't have time for TV. I don't. Okay. So even myself, there's some shows I wanted to see on Facebook. Uh, people are talking about the ending of all these shows, Snowfall and all these things. I have not watched one episode of none of the series that people were talking about. I don't have time for TV. <laughs> Y'all know we got, I got three kids. I don't have time. Well, we do got time for that TikTok though. We got to get off of that. All right. So anyways, let me go back to this here. Um, we are looking at our habits and we are asking ourselves, are they helpful or am I, I like this, am I sabotaging myself? Mm, okay. Am I, am I prioritizing what feels good now, doggone gummy bears, to what's going to be beneficial for me in my future? Just to think about. So we do, we have to cross out the ones that are not good, cross out the ones that uh, are, okay, are helpful to us and just focus it around, okay? Shift it around, shift it around, okay? Clean up your room. Organize your life. Get up at the same time every day. Go to bed at the same time every day. Make a schedule. Do your task. Y'all know that daily study calendar. You got to get on it. And so these are just these are just little things that if you just do a little bit of these things, you're going to go so much further. And it don't have to be a lot, but it has to be something. You you cannot continue to live your life the same way, but expect more responsibility. Like it doesn't happen that way. You have to position yourself for the next level before the next level gets here or you won't be ready for it. That's the thing. Like some people, they just want automatic success in their life. They want automatic, you know, CEO positions 
after working one day. And it doesn't work like that. Y'all know it. So the journey, the, the self-discipline that you have now will help you get there. But if you can't discipline yourself, you're never going to get there. It's what we tell our kids all the time. You have to be able to sit down, study, listen to the teacher, finish your schoolwork in order to get that A. Us as grownups have a hard time doing what our kids do every day. We have a hard time disciplining ourselves, sitting down, studying, focusing, doing what we need to do because nobody is over there making us do it. And we don't have the discipline to do it ourselves. So this week, we got to look at, okay, there's some things I got to cut out. There's some things that I wouldn't want my kid doing. So I should not be doing them. Okay. When our kids get home from school, we tell them, get that homework done. Don't turn on the TV. Don't call the friends. Don't turn on the game. What schoolwork do you need to do? But we don't do that to ourselves. And we need to do that to ourselves. When we get up after our job, we need to get that schoolwork done. Okay. So that is our motivation for this week. A little progress each day adds up to big results, big results. But we have to be able to see it that way, okay? Oh, before I get out of here, I just want to thank everybody who came on here today and shared your great news that you have now got your license. So start preparing now, you guys who need that content. You know you need the content, you know you do and better questions with NCLEX V2. And so anybody who passes NCLEX in April, we will return your initial investment as a gift to you and send you a free Remar t-shirt, a free Remar t-shirt, my goodness. Um, and that's right, I mean, it's money back. Some money back. All right. And so all I'm asking you to do is just create a one to three minute testimonial video explaining how you uh, used Remar to help you get your license. And you can do so by going to remarnurse.com forward slash party forward slash party to click that video real quick. And then I will not only bless you for being a blessing you the free Remar t-shirt. Oh, I have somebody. Oh, 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 I wanted to say this. Impactful life transformation. I got V2 three weeks ago and passed my NCLEX. I got up just like I was going to school and spent 10 hours every day. <laughs> my goodness, girl. No, not 10 hours, but you did pass. But I do want to say this, guys. I do want to say this. It does take this mentality. It does take this mentality because truth be told, Sometimes after nursing school, an NCLEX review is the best thing that you can do for yourself. All right. An NCLEX review is the best thing that you can do for yourself. So definitely, absolutely work it like it's a job because you only have to study for NCLEX just a little bit of time, just like this much. If you do this much, it will last for the rest of your life. It will bless you for the rest of your life. And there's so many people that don't want to do like this much of hard work. So investing yourself, have your faith be greater than your fear. Have your faith be greater than your fear. And you guys can do this. Okay. So I want to just 
leave you with that. That's Monday Motivation. Thank you so much for watching, everybody, from all over, whether it's daytime or nighttime for you guys. I hope that you're blessed and that I will I will hear your testimonial soon. I will hear your testimonial soon. Shout out to Jonell in the Philippines. I know it's 1 a.m. in the Philippines. And so you are a hardcore. You are hardcore right now up studying at 1 a.m. All the blessings to you last first. Your inclex is tomorrow. Your faith absolutely, absolutely is greater than your fear. We will be thinking of you. We're sending you all the positivity on your test tomorrow. So excited for you. Go in there and say, I'm not leaving here without my license. I don't care what y'all throw at me. I didn't come this far to turn back now. All right, guys. I'll see you later. Bye-bye.